This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Uh, Brian Callahan in for the lovely and talented Linda Swain after Linda so ably filled in for Patty today, yesterday, and Monday. We understand Patty's back tomorrow, so we think we're going to be back in our usual chairs tomorrow, but you just never know. This is News Talk and sometimes Sports Talk and sometimes Entertainment Talk. It's really whatever you want to talk about on anything you think is newsworthy. Of course, my job partly is to give you something to chew or gnaw on. And there's certainly lots of that in the news today. First off, just a short time ago, um, it was uh, confirmed that the premier on Friday morning uh, will be in Cartwright, Labrador, where he will deliver an apology to former students of the residential school system and family members. Uh, That's going to take place at um, the Cartwright Recreation Center. Uh, that'll be Friday morning. It's um, it, the statement from the premier says the delivery is being undertake of the apology is being undertaken in collaboration with the New Atuvut Community Council, NCC, of course, as promised in, or I should say, they used the word committed in 2017. And uh, of course, joining the premier will be uh, Minister Lisa Dempster, Labrador Affairs Minister Todd, um, the Labrador Affairs Minister, and of course Todd Russell, president of the NCC. And that's going to take place actually at 1 o'clock, uh, 1.30 Newfoundland time, 1 o'clock uh, Atlantic time, so it'll be Labrador time, and um, in some parts of Labrador, I should say, as we always say. And, uh, of course, the government is welcoming former students, family members, community members, and other imp- anyone impacted by the residential school system and what occurred there to attend that announcement. That's going to be a big deal. That's Friday uh, just after lunch. Uh, let's see, whatever. So we'll be, obviously, if you're going to be following that, covering that, we'll have it first. Um, elsewhere, the RNC announced uh, another troubling arrest and charges today. Another 32-year-old man, also from Paradise, but they say for now, at least, um, there's no apparent connection to another case. So um, the RNC announced today at least um, one fake social media account uh, uh, attributed to another man from Paradise, 32-year-old. His name is Stephen Morrissey. He was arrested and charged uh, with very similar charges, or at least one charge, involving the same kind of um, using fake social media and an alias, at least one alias, to lure a person, allegedly, under 18 for sex. So this is another separate case than the Marcus Hicks case, which you probably know we've been following. It's been in the news. Former teacher. I shouldn't say former. I mean, technically, I guess he's still a teacher, substitute teacher, and a former volleyball coach. He's facing 63 charges, Marcus Hicks, um, and again, remains in custody. This uh, separate, we're told, charge uh, and um, against uh, Stephen Morrissey, 32 years old, from Paradise, was uh, announced today by the RNC. So very similar, what we say, the, uh, they say in the busy, it's very similar MO. Uh, apparently, the tip was received back in November of 2022, so just back in this past, almost a year ago. So the tip came in before Mr. Hicks was charged, but, you know, who knows how these tips are coming in. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the RNC could have some that they investigate to make sure that there's a case before they pass it on to the Crown. They review all the evidence, of course, before whether to decide whether or not to charge anyone. And uh, this has come to a charge and another arrest. So that's two people now facing these kind of charges. And who knows how many more, uh, who knows how much of this is going on in the age of technology. Who just knows? We'll only know 
um, as they come forward from the police and, and the courts uh, when they determine whether or not there's sufficient grounds to lay charges. And in this case, they believe there has. So that's another case on that front. And also making the news today um, on Open Line, which Open Line always makes news. But, um, you know, um, it, it, you just never know where the news is going to come from, and especially when uh, it involves the health minister, Tom Osborne. And he took, I guess you could say, the proverbial gloves off uh, this morning. Um, you know, unprompted, he wanted to get something off his chest, and uh, this was one of the issues. So. Uh, for all intents and purposes, took the gloves off. And we try not to make a habit of repeating too much here on News Talk, uh, unless it's a particular news value. And if you missed it this morning, which by rights you shouldn't have, of course, no one should ever miss Open Line, but uh, you just don't know who's going to be on and what they might say, which is the beauty of that show, uh, especially, as mentioned, if it's the health minister. So uh, Health Minister Tom Osborne did take issue this morning with the province of Saskatchewan. A shot across the bow, if you will, for sending health recruiters to this province. They're here now, he says, um, on the ground, his words, uh, to, for lack of a better word, but it's probably the right word, to poach our health care professionals uh, for their province. So for the record, first of all, now I'm going to speak with PC opposition health critic uh, Paul Din shortly. Um, he's going to call in and we're going to have a short chat. And I did speak earlier today with NDP leader Jim Din about this issue to see uh, their take and what they think of it all. But for the record, here's what Tom Osborne had to say this morning on Open Line. You know, we've put extensive effort into recruitment and retention in Newfoundland and Labrador as well. Uh, but, you know, we we have tried to ensure every province in Canada is facing a shortage of, of health professionals. Um, and we've tried to ensure that uh, while we have incentives in this, Can- uh, in this province, the most attractive in Canada, um, you know, it is. It is uh, focused certainly on bringing people back home, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians who have moved elsewhere. But we haven't gone on the ground in other provinces and openly, directly um, on the ground put recruitment teams in place and held events. Um, And, you know, certainly our hope that no province in Canada is on the ground in that sort of way competing for healthcare professionals. But uh, Saskatchewan is in this province uh, now recruiting. Uh, I did reach out to the minister in Saskatchewan and, and ask them to reconsider um, uh, that, uh, you know, as a result, uh, Linda, we are going to Saskatchewan and we're going there in force uh, and for two reasons. A, you know, we, we can't let Saskatchewan coming to this province go unchecked. Um, but secondly, to to let every other province in Canada know, um, don't come here. We won't uh, go on the ground in your province. But if you come here, we are going to go there. We have to. We cannot leave it unchecked. So we are heading to Saskatchewan for a recruitment mission, um, you know, in, in response to the fact that they're coming here. And uh, so how do we compete with Saskatchewan then? I mean, is this just going to start a, a whole new precedent where all the provinces say, well, the heck with this, we're just going for it? No, quite the contrary. I think I think if uh, our incentives are, are uh, you know, the most attractive in Canada, I think if we go to Saskatchewan, we have something 
you know, very tangible to offer, uh, but we haven't gone on the ground. So I think, you know, most provinces have respected that. Uh, you know, I, I believe all have. We haven't had uh, provinces coming here, you know, openly and, and forcefully looking to recruit. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if Saskatchewan is coming here, we have no choice but to, to go there. We can't leave it unchecked. But I do believe... You know, uh, I'm, I'm meeting with my provincial and federal counterparts uh, next week or uh, the week after next. And, you know, I, I do believe that this sends a message uh, to every province that if you come here, we are going there and we have more attractive incentives. So please don't. Let's not start this. Uh, you know, let's not start competing with each other. We're all competing for healthcare professionals. We don't have to be on the ground in each other's provinces. That is the Health Minister, Tom Osborne, uh, on Open Line this morning. And uh, just as uh, we were listening to that bit of audio from Open Line this morning, um, my colleague, Richard Duggan, handed me a news release straight uh, off the presses, as they say, hot off the presses. Um, Minister Osborne's going to hold an ama- a, video, le, a media availability tomorrow at Confederation Building on this very topic. Um, and apparently they say the recruitment team that he spoke of in response to Saskatchewan sending health professionals here, the recruitment team that um, uh, we're going to send our recruitment team up next week on the 3rd. So uh, true to his word. So the minister is going to hold an availability tomorrow to talk about this. And, of course, we'll be there. VOCM will be there. We're going to take a short break here. Um, and when I come back, we're going to uh, speak with the opposition health critic, Paul Din, and uh, get uh, his take on um, on the latest uh, uh, back and forth, I guess, on the health recruitment front. We'll be right back after news, uh, after the break on News Talk. I'm Brian Callahan. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain on News Talk. And uh, again, just before the break, we heard uh, Minister Health Minister Tom Osborne on Open Line this morning saying how... Uh, well, we can just best call it a tit-for-tat right now, um, saying in response to Saskatchewan uh, having recruiters on the ground here trying to quote, or I shouldn't say quote, but for lack of a better word, and it is the right word, poach our healthcare professionals uh, for up along and uh, not taking too kindly to it and say, oh, yeah, well, we're going to do the same. So um, let's uh, get the opposition's take on this health, minutes, health uh, critic, Paul Din is on the line for me. Sorry about that, Paul. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, Brian. So uh, how did this strike you? Uh, I'm kind of baffled by by the response, you know. Uh, you know, things like job fairs are commonplace. Sure. Uh, you know, Nova Scotia actually had been, was down here last year, I think, uh, trying to recruit physicians. Yes, they like. were. The Premier actually hosted a job fair last week. To, to lure people back home and, and others. So, you know, job fairs are commonplace. I mean, the province uh, holds them, the province attends them. So uh, for the minister to, to take, uh, you know, take this issue with Saskatchewan uh, is sort of out of the blue. Uh, and maybe it's, maybe it's a, you know, an attempt to deflect from, from something else. Uh, you know, he was on on the same same piece when he talked to the media this morning. I mean, he talked about how successful uh, a lot of the things they're doing, uh, you know, is. And, uh, you know, he talked about having the most attractive uh, incentive package in Canada. So he talked about all these good things uh, that are happening and they claim to have happened. But yet they're concerned that, you know, a province is in the uh, province to come here now to, to try and recruit. Um you know, this government all along have 
have said, you know, this is a uh, the health crisis is is national, it's international, it's uh, global. So I mean, that's been the response uh, all along, and and I agree, I agree with it. So you know, if you you have the most successful packages offered here, and you know you're doing you've been very successful is the claim, then what's the problem? What's the problem with with another province coming here? Uh, and, and and offering the, what they have to offer. So there's something gone. Either they're not promoting it, they're not uh, putting it out there enough, and now they're going to spend money, as you call it, tit for tat approach, to uh, to go off to Saskatchewan, when maybe they should be spending that money here in the province at uh, the recruitment and the retention here. From the few people I've I've spoken to just uh, since this morning, that yeah. seems to be the consensus. Um, uh, you know, the money, the cost of doing this, and a release. Just out that they are going to take a uh, um, uh, recruitment team is traveling to communities in Saskatchewan on October 3rd next week uh, in response apparently. Does, yeah. the, does the distinction that the minister makes about well it's different if we go up looking for Newfoundlanders to come home as opposed to going up and saying I mean I can't imagine if you're up there recruiting and people who are not from Newfoundland and Labrador come up to your table and say we're interested I can't imagine they're going to no. turn them away. <laughs> Well, look, the, pre- the Premier's own press uh, release mentioned, you know, to get expats home and others who would be interested. Right. You know, that's the purpose of job fairs. That's the purpose of going away to, to, to state your case. And at the end of the day, whoever offers the best uh, incentives and the best packages, they're going to get it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the province has claimed how successful it is and, and have claimed the most attractive incentive package. But yet they're concerned that another province is here. So something's wrong somewhere. You know, that uh, this would end up in some retaliation and and, uh, deflecting, and and in my mind, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, to be honest with you. It just seems Um, there's a little bit of an antagonism to it. I mean, it's it's not friendly back and forth. It's, oh, yeah, you're going to do this. And the other thing that sort of strikes me is that apparently they're all getting together next week. Um, you know, so yeah. it, it becomes awkward maybe. And, you know, and none of that, maybe they could have saved it. Uh, you know, the, all the talk these days about the certain things yeah. in politics, we all know certain things are discussed in behind closed doors for reasons, because until they become something, until they grow up to become something. Yeah. And, and in this case, it seems like, <laughs> I hate to say it. I mean, uh, and anyone in the media is not a fan of secrecy, but maybe this could have been uh, worked out and understood before it went public like that in a, in a sort of a, a lash out. Well, you know what? It makes you wonder, you know, what's the actual motive behind this, right? As you said, you know, you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Uh, but, you know, all I can look at this and say, well, you know, if if we've been told constantly the last little while how well uh, the recruitment is going, you know, we get all the numbers. We we're, They use adjectives like successful and very, very attractive and, and so on. If that's the case, then, then why are we doing this? And, you know, think about it. This government also went over to Ireland not too long back, you know, a, a country that's in a similar crisis to us. So, you know, how can you do that and then, then you know, uh, look at Saskatchewan for doing essentially the same thing? Paul, let me just uh, switch gears while I got you. Um, tomorrow there's an infrastructure amount, uh, announcement in Camp Mount Terrace. Uh, now, I know this was in the budget, yep. but it's regarding, you know, new high school for that area. Uh, how are the people of Paradise going to feel tomorrow again um, after the Portugal Cove St. Phillips High School was announced? And now infrastructure there, but uh, dare I say it, nothing uh, the, uh, for paradise. Uh, well, first of all, they're gonna it's gonna you know uh, hit the fan, create a bit of a, <laughs> a firestorm, no doubt about it. You know, it's uh, 
and I don't begrudge. Look, uh, and, and and the parents in that of par- uh, paradise and, and the surrounding areas don't begrudge other communities, you know, a school or a high school and that. But at the end of the day, when you look at uh, paradise, has been on the radar, on the top of the list for eight years now, and this current government ha- continues to to bypass it. And uh, here we have another announcement, and it's interesting because the uh, that announced that school is going in uh, in Sarah Studley's district, mm. and Sarah. You know, Minister Studley is also part of this uh, Paradise uh, uh, Committee as well. So it, it, it's, you know, and, and uh, to look at that and see how, you know, she can recognize uh, Paradise needed here, but why the Premier can't, I, I'll never know. You know, and we, we continue to bypass Paradise here, which all the facts and figures, you can look at it whatever way you want. It pushes and, and, and targets a high school for this area and surrounding area. And part of that area will be Kim Mount Terrace when you look at it. Where are they all going to funnel to? So, you know, the parents are going to be uh, certainly upset. I know in our meeting last night, uh, uh, Minister Studley certainly gave, gave a, a heads up on this, that this was coming. Uh, but it still doesn't take away the angst and the pain and the aggravation from uh, parents in the in the community who, who want their kids to go to high school. Sure. Paul Din, Opposition Health Critic, I really appreciate the time. I'm going to go talk to your brother now. <laughs> Good luck with that, Brian. <laughs> All the best. Thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. that's PC Opposition Health Critic Paul Din. Let's jump over to his brother, Jim Din, who happens to be the leader of the NDP in the province. I spoke with him earlier. A few things. First of all, we're going to are we going to start spending our scarce uh, uh, funds here in a tit for tat battle with another province? Um, uh, you know that's the first thing. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, what if other provinces decide to do it? Are we going to send recruiting teams to them, or better yet, if a if a uh, one of the states from our, our neighbors to the south decide to send recruiting teams, are we going to uh, respond with our own recu- recruiting teams to them? So let let's let's take a step back. I think, too, if the minister is as confident that the the benefit packages that he signed for nurses is is that good uh, and that competitive, then I think I'd be saying to Saskatchewan and any other province, uh, you know, bring it on. uh, we're, we're, We're pretty confident in what we've offered here. And... The fact that he's not saying that would suggest to me that the minister is maybe not as confident as his words uh, may have portrayed, uh, it, uh, and that work needs to be done. I guess you know, uh, before before he uh, before the minister sends of a junket up to uh, Saskatchewan, I think the first step after you know before I do this uh, is have a call up the the nurses union and have a, have a conversation with Yvette as a coffee to find out, look, where do we need to go here and what needs to be done um, to uh, retain the nurses. And if it's just not nurses, there are other, there are other health professionals in our health care system. And are they at state, uh, like, are they vulnerable to the, these kind of recruitment efforts? He's sort of saying, well, look, we're, we know what we've got here. Uh, you know, if you want to waste your time coming down here, by all means. But uh, I think, uh, apart from a distraction from the other issues here, I think it, it's, unnecessary, it's an unnecessary use of money. Let's focus on, uh, on uh, making sure that uh, we're retaining the nurses we have. Uh, otherwise, if, if it's that good, it should be impervious to any recruitment efforts from outside. I'm still wondering, is there anything new about this? I mean, you know, we've been in other provinces trying to bring back new... Yep. The distinction seems to be by the minister that, yeah, we've done it, but we've only gone up to get 
you know, to bring back Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, to, to, to lure them back home. We're not poaching from other provinces, so to speak. And he says, well, Saskatchewan is poaching. And, you know, it seems to be a larger issue here, uh, Jim. Like, the, the whole issue, this is not new. This was predicted, that the way the healthcare system is going, that other provinces would probably start competing with each other. We talked about it in the Atlantic yeah. provinces and how it's it not necessarily going to help the situation. So is this the right time to be taken off the gloves? I mean, they're supposed to all meet the first the ministers next week or supposed to get together. Is it smart before that? Have that discussion then. But look, apart from that, Brian, if <laughs> where we're, we're trying to re- uh, the provinces is trying to recruit uh, nurses from India. So if we haven't got the game uh, settled here, if we haven't uh, addressed the issues fully here, then all we're doing is we're recruiting nurses from another country to go to another province. So uh, taking out the gloves, I, I still think it's a distraction at this point. You have that conversation, but again, if I if indeed if I if indeed if I, if I were the minister and I were saying, look, we've got uh, we got one of the best, uh, probably the best uh, um, incentives and uh, benefits. Why would I be worried what another province is going to offer? Sending people up to uh, in this sort of the sandbox, uh, tit for tat, um, you know, um, chest thumping. I, I think at this stage uh, we can we can fight smarter. I guess the government's got to show, and the minister's got to show that they're they're committed to doing things differently. I think if you want to keep your professionals uh, stay here and retained, then show that you're committed to doing things differently. That'll be that's the best defense against any uh, any of this, uh, like uh, another province sending down a recruiting team. Uh, but other than that, when they meet next week, have it out then. And, um, and 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 have those uh, and have that conversation. But uh, for God's sake, right now, I, I think the people who are going to be calling me. They want to have a doctor. They want to have a. They want to have access to primary health care. Uh, I don't think they're interested about uh, like sending people. Let's, let's send the team up uh, to recruit more. Let's deal with uh, so, uh, making sure we, we keep the nurses. We keep the health professionals we have here already. That is the NDP leader Jim Din, um, like his brother Paul Din, who happens to be the health critic for the. PCs don't think much of this plan to uh, head on up to Saskatchewan and try to beat them at their own game while they're here trying to recruit our health professionals. Yikes. Uh, so for the record, I did send messages to the Premier and Minister of Saskatchewan, uh, Minister of Health in Saskatchewan, to get their take on this. It sent them the audio of our health minister and everything. I haven't heard back yet, but if I do, you'll be the first to know. We are just a little bit past our news break, so my apologies to Noah Shepard. Um, we're going to go right to Noah now. I'm Brian Callahan on News Talking for Linda Swain, back right after the news. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Uh, Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain. And earlier today, I was uh, down on Eric Street in the St. John's, close to downtown. Can't really call it the center city. It's not really downtown, but it's close to it. It's on your way on the lower half below Hamilton Avenue. And uh, that's the site of the Habitat for Humanity, Newfoundland Labrador's newest project uh, for affordable housing. They broke ground this morning, technically, I guess formally. They all had these beautiful, lovely, shiny silver shovels that uh, weren't so shiny after they dug them into the ground, but all for a good cause. A new three-unit uh, home, uh, which should be finished by next fall, this time next fall. And uh, they'll serve three lower-income working families from St. John's area who, quote, need a safe place to call home. Um, so uh, we had the minister and uh, for NLHC, Paul Pike, and the mayor, 
And, of course, the executive director of Habitat for Humanity, Sandra Whippen. We are excited. It's a big day for all of us as we assist lower-income working families with home ownership. Lots of planning, hard work, and coordination by many staff, volunteers, and partners to make this happen. And thank you all for coming. It's, it's awesome to see such a fine crowd out here this morning to celebrate affordable housing. Many of our partners are here today to share in, our ground, on this, in this groundbreaking ceremony. It's our new build project here in St. John's, a triplex, which will become the future home for three lower income working families. At this time, uh, I would like to welcome the Honorable Minister Paul Pike, Minister of Seniors, Children and Social Development to make a few remarks. Thank you, Sandra, and uh, good morning, uh, everyone. It's great to be here. This is a, this is a uh, wonderful thing that's happening here today, a wonderful event. And it's my pleasure to represent our provincial government uh, in this groundbreaking this morning. This will start uh, construction of more habit habitat for community homes in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, my understanding is that we've been a partner with you guys since uh, Habitat Newfoundland and Labrador for uh, since 1994. So we'll soon have an a big anniversary. Um, at that time, uh, we supported the uh, Habitat Newfoundland and Labrador by uh, the contribution of land. Today, it's through cost share cost-shared funding with our value partners, and this helps us increase the availability of affordable housing in Newfoundland and Labrador, and that's something we're all striving to do, especially now since we realize that we have a shortage of housing in our province, not only in our province, but in our country. We all recognize that safe, stable, and affordable housing a place to call home is key to improving health and social outcomes for individuals and promote social and economic inclusion. I think we all we all like to have a place to call home. We all like to have a we all like to be in our own beds. No matter if you go on a holiday or wherever you go, you always want to get home. And that's so important to all of us. And home can mean so many different things for so many different people. Some of us live in the city of St. John, some of us live in rural Newfoundland. But wherever we live, wherever we were born, that'll always be considered home. I talk to people all the time, I say, where are you from? They'll tell me where they're from, not necessarily whether St. John's or whatever, but where they were born. And that's something that uh, we all take pride in. Uh, across our province, we're working with our partners to address diverse housing needs to create healthy, sustainable communities. Over the last two years alone, more than 750 housing options have been created or are underway, and our new affordable housing program will see a further 850 rental units built throughout the province. Thanks to today's announcement and our partnership with Habitat for, uh, for Humanity, new homes are being built right here on Eric Street, where families can build and live in stable and have a stable and secure community in this community where their dreams of affordable housing will become a reality. And isn't that great though? I mean, families being able to move in here, create homes, their children go to, to local schools. Like, it's just amazing, really. 
it does the heart good. And as I say, when I when I speak to groups, especially since uh, I've become minister of CSSD, I've met so many great people, like I've met this morning, that are always there to help. And whether I visit a shelter or whatever, wherever I visit uh, new home construction, affordable home construction, I meet people that are committed, committed, and so passionate about what they do. And that's uh, what, what, you know, what I really, what gives me energy, really, seeing people that are so committed and seeing people that want to help others so much. And the volunteers, I just spoke to a gentleman here who's a volunteer, 25 years. Imagine, 25 years, and has built and been part of about 34 homes, I think, somewhere around there. Perhaps I got the numbers fooled up, perhaps sure. But anyway, close enough. And uh, thank you so much for what you do, all of you. Uh, I wish to extend my gratitude and thanks for the incredible work and service you uh, provide to our community. We are very proud, very proud to partner with you. And today's, today's announcement is another uh, example of uh, strong partnerships. And we can't do anything without strong partnerships. It's important that we work together and continue to ensure that all Newfoundlanders and Lab Labradorians have a safe and affordable place that they can call their home. And we look forward to seeing the shovels in the ground and future announcements on more uh, Habitat for Humanity bills in Newfoundland and Labrador. It's more important now than it ever was, so thank you so much. So our partnership with Habitat for Humanity has been long-standing. We've done a number of, uh, of bills with Habitat for Humanity here in, here in the city. 33. Well, I'm glad I asked because I didn't think it was 33, but that's a that's a great number. Um, <clears throat> on this project, our our project uh, began a few years ago, and of course, a few years ago, the world was a very different place pre-pandemic, and many economic and other challenges followed that. And at that time, of course, we were experiencing housing challenges. However, those challenges have continued to grow exponentially over those last over the last number of years. Today, every municipality across Canada, including St. John's, have come to face the reality of the housing crisis. How we address our housing supply shortage will define much of the discourse and debate in our city in the years to come. It also has resulted in us all having to reconsider the big questions, like what is a home? What can a home look like? What do we want from our neighborhoods and our communities? And in tackling the housing crisis, how can we improve the quality of life for all our residents? The development put forward by Habitat here on this site on Eric Street is a step in the right direction, balancing our housing needs with the value of shared neighborhood resources. This project will result in affordable home ownership opportunity for three households. The benefits of affordable housing projects like this one go beyond a roof over one's head. They contribute to positive social, health and economic outcomes. While it has taken us some time to get to this day, the, the due diligence required and the lessons learned along the way give us something to build upon and point a way forward in addressing housing affordability and attainability. This project highlights the value of city-owned land as a contribution to affordable housing. Furthermore, observing colleagues here from other levels of government and the community, it demonstrates the power in partnerships 
and the need to continue to work together to address the evolving needs around housing. There is no one level of government, not one nonprofit, and no single private sector entity that can solve the housing crisis alone. It demands the kind of collaboration and pooling of resources that have gone into the development we're breaking ground on here today. We look forward to the day when families first open to the doors to the homes that are built here, and we look forward to further collaboration in support of housing in our city. And I want to thank Habitat for Humanity, the volunteers, for the important work that they do, which greatly benefits our city and our province. That is uh, St. John's Mayor Danny Breen. Before him, of course, Paul Pike, Minister responsible for uh, Newfoundland Labrador Housing Corp. And Sandra Whiffen, the Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity. And that was uh, that took place outdoors. Um, nice morning there, actually. It was not a breath of wind and um, no rain or anything like that. So it was, uh, it was kind of a nice uh, setup there. Of course, a big excavator right in the middle of it all uh, to signal the... Uh, breaking of ground there was also some shovels but once again uh thanks for the invite and uh important affordable housing can't have enough at it and that should be built by next fall um right on the break here claudette look at that um we're going to take a short break here on news talk i'm brian callahan in for linda swain we'll be right back Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles, and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. And welcome back to the uh, last chunk of the program here. I'm going to leave you today with some thoughts from a a panel at this week's Atlantic Social Impact Exchange Summit that's being uh, held, uh, happening down at the Delta in St. John's. Um, They say the goal is to create a shared understanding of the current state of the social impact ecosystem in the region, i.e. being Atlantic Canada, and establish a quote-unquote roadmap for collaboration going forward. And this would include everyone from the businesses trying to find ways to solve food issues to uh, affordable housing to different partnerships with uh, organizations, private companies, government, you name it. Um, one panel this morning was called, was, uh, you know, the topic was navigating through investment for social impact and where best to invest and how to make the most of it. Well, um, we had three people on that panel, one from the Community Sector Council, that would be Christine Snow, Daryl Jackman from the Small Crescent Community Center, and Brad Russell. Big feed, grocery delivery. The three of these folks got together for a panel to hash out how best to navigate through uh, the investment process for the region. The number one issue facing community organizations in this province are financial pressures from a whole bunch of different perspectives. Um, and the, the continuing pressure on with government funding, fundraising, um, philanthropic donations means that organizations really need to start to explore revenue diversification options. Um, and there are many different ways you can do that um, through fee for servers, contracts, some of those areas. The one area that we decided to focus on, um, because we've done a lot of work over it in the years, is social enterprise. So how can we encourage more socially enterprising activities within our community organizations that allows them to diversify their revenue base that reduces some of those financial pressures? That's that's problem number one. So problem number two is part of our research, um, if you're familiar with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, they've come out with research 
research in recent years that talks about the number of small business, i.e., uh, one to four employees in this province in, within their membership that are looking to exit their businesses within the next five years, one to five years. The bulk of them are retiring. So if you kind of, you know, you can use numbers to say what you want to say, but when we, we tried just to do the simple multiplication between their membership and the provincial organization and the number of businesses of that size in the province, we got anywhere from 600 to thousands of small businesses that were looking to exit and retire, um, which could have major implications for rural parts of this province. Once the small business owners, and if you're watching media reports, you see more and more stories of small businesses looking to sell because they want to retire. It's the retirement fund. So our thought was that we're talking social enterprise. Sometimes social enterprise is not always about starting something from from scratch. It can be something as basic as acquiring an existing business. So this particular project that we're calling CETA, Social Enterprise Through Acquisition, is all about support matching um, community organizations with small businesses that are looking to sell and providing all of the supports that go with that because we know there are going to be challenges, particularly around attitudes and, and risk and all of that, and, and providing the access to a social finance fund that can uh, um, that can allow, because at the end of the day, there has to be an exchange of cash between a buyer and a seller, and how do we do that? Um, so it, it, that's basically what the project is about, solving two challenges, um, and at the end of the day, there will be the maintenance of a business and employment in a rural community, and we'll provide a revenue diversification option for a community organization that will help reduce pressures. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Okay, yeah, so the uh, the problem that we're uh, working on right now, as I mentioned before, we uh, work in a vulnerable neighborhood. Uh, the neighborhood that we work in historically has had a lot of issues with drugs and addiction, unemployment, uh, low education, uh, violence, domestic violence. And what we've been noticing over the last couple of years is a sharp spike in the number of students, grade 7 to grade 12, who are not attending school on a regular basis or had completely dropped out of school altogether. Um, just looking at our neighborhood and the, the youth that we were attached to, we estimated that about 42% of the students who were supposed to be in grade 7 to grade 12 were actually not going to school on a regular basis or had completely dropped out of school. So that was a big issue in, in our neighborhood, and of course, we recognize it as a problem, and if you're not completing school, obviously, you have a, a higher likelihood of uh, you know, needing health services, uh, you'll probably uh, have a higher uh, chance of being involved in criminal activity, so there was a lot of things that could stem from this down the road. Um, so we got connected with North Pond and decided to look at solving uh, this issue. And right now, we're looking at, a, I guess, a number of different options around this. And what makes this project kind of unique is that every student is different. Uh, so there's a different reason why every student may not go to school. There are some trends around mental health and anxiety, for example, uh, but someone may have a transportation issue, and other students may have uh, violence within their home. That's their reason why they're not going to school. Uh, someone else is not getting the family support that they need. So it's, uh, it's interesting to learn from the students and from the schools uh, why the students are not going to school and then to try to 
to uh, target an activity that will help them get back into school. Um, so what we've, I guess, looking at so far is we've met with the four local schools that we're working with, and uh, we're making plans to look at alternative education measures, uh, putting transportation in place to help the students, and even to look at supporting the families. Uh, a lot of the families need, need support, whether that be through, as I mentioned, you know, domestic violence or it could be mental health counseling, but trying to support those families and help them recognize the importance of education so that they can promote that uh, to the students as well. It has to start at home, so there's a lot of work to do uh, with with the families and uh, making sure that the, the students do go to school. And then once we get them to school, making sure that the school can support them properly and that they're getting the services uh, that they need, both from our community center and from the school. Awesome. And Bradley, what, uh, what problem are you trying to solve? <laughs> uh, we're trying to make uh, good food and household goods readily accessible uh, and convenient for people to purchase and to, to be able to consume. So uh, the, so often we're, we're in this day and age, we're used to clicking a few buttons and to be able to uh, get the things that we need. Uh, but that is very challenging in rural areas, uh, in particular with you talk about fresh foods and, and fresh goods. So I'll give you a couple anecdotes. Uh, first of all, so I come from a low-income background, single dad uh, in an indigenous community, and um, uh, I didn't know what spinach was till I got to university. Uh, I thought it was the thing that Popeye ate out of the can. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's all I knew what spinach was. And then I got to university and I saw a salad bar, and I said, "Oh well, it's." I, I watched someone eat a spinach salad, and it's like, "Oh, why are you eating leaves?" I I, I didn't understand. Uh, but I mean, that's that's some of the challenges in rural areas is that I was never exposed to that because it was not readily available. Uh, so um, what we want to do is use fallow capacity, so not try to drive up carbon emissions uh, to uh, be able to transport this food. So a lot of these. Um, a lot of these uh, networks already exist in a lot of rural areas. It's just that we're not using them to their full potential. So uh, the analogy I'd use is, is, is almost like if you're going to plan a, a green space. So, so it used to be that you plan a park, as an example. Uh, the planner would build all the paths in the park ahead of time and design them. But now the common thinking is uh, you build the green space, uh, you watch to see where people uh, walk through the green space, and then that's where you put your paths. So uh, a lot of this infrastructure in these rural areas already exists. So, and what we're doing is uh, leveraging those existing networks. So uh, as an example, uh, our first MOU outside of uh, DRL coach lines uh, is with uh, Sheeran's Taxi up in the Bonavista Peninsula. They're uh, a small passenger van service that come to St. John's every single day. Uh, and what we're doing is, is just loading them up with food uh, for them to be able to deliver around the Bonavista Peninsula. But because the added effect is that because they are coming to our warehouse uh, every single day to pick up goods, well, then local firms can give them food to drop off to us to add to our network uh, as they come to our warehouse anyway. So it's finding those two-way relationships uh, in um, pre-existing built networks and try to leverage them to their fullest potential. Uh, and our goal is to try to reach every square foot of this province uh, by hook or by crook. It's going to be a lot uh, more difficult in certain areas than others, uh, but uh, we are not opposed to using fallow capacity <laughs> in, in, in any existing network or if we have to build one ourselves. So that's, in a nutshell, the problem that we're trying to solve. 
That there is uh, Brad Russell with Feed Big Feed Grocery Delivery. Before him, Daryl Jackman with Small Crescent Community Centre and Christine Snow before him with the Community Sector Council all in on a panel today at the... Um, uh, navig- called Navigating Through Investment for Social Impact, and that was all happening down at the Atlantic Social Impact Exchange Summit. Mouthful at the Delta today and all week, actually. There have been uh, panel discussions, a lot of interesting stuff, food for thought, no pun intended. That just about does it. We're in at home stretch here, Claudette, for uh, News Talk on uh, Wednesday afternoon. I'm pretty sure Linda's back in the chair tomorrow, and Patty's back in his chair tomorrow, and I'll be all over the place. Um, not in a chair at all. I'll be... There's a lot of news going on tomorrow we're already seeing with uh, announcements, including the uh, news conference that I mentioned off the top of the show from uh, Health Minister Tom Osborne regarding a recruitment effort that we're going to take to Saskatchewan because they took it here. There you go. Back at you. Uh, and also, of course, game two of the Yankees series tonight with Blue Jays. I almost didn't mention that. Um, doesn't get any easier after running into a shutout last night. They go up against Garrett Cole tonight. Odds on favorite to win the Cy Young in the AL this year. So good luck with that. Uh, yeah, that's an 8.37 first pitch tonight. I'm Brian Callahan. This is News Talk. Uh, talk to you later. Drive safely. Arrive alive. BLCM cares.